I'm sales team turnaround specialist, Jeremy DeMerchant. And each week I bring sales leaders like you, experts and insights that will help you level up your leadership, motivate like a master, and ultimately crush your comp plan. If it's time to raise the bar on your team's performance, then it's time for Sales Team Rescue. And we are live. Welcome, welcome everybody to this episode of Sales Team Rescue. I am your host, Jeremy DeMerchant, and today I have a special guest for you. Um, So I want to tell you a little bit about Garth. Garth is the chief architect of Enhancesoft, a company that develops products and services to extend the value of System Center Configuration Manager, or SCCM, for those of you that are in the know of the technical lingo. And I, I invited Garth here for a very specific reason, and that's because he works in a place or in a space that um, I haven't spent as much time in as I would have liked to. And that's really enterprise sales and selling to government. So Garth, first of all, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. And uh, if you would, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are as Chief Architect at Enhancesoft and, and the journey that got you there. Well, that's a really long story, but uh, the short version of this uh uh, story is uh, a friend of mine uh, asked me to come and uh, work for him at the Canadian government. And I went into the department there and I started off as low as you can be on the totem pole. And we're helping out um, staff with IT related issues. Ultimately, I worked my way up to uh, what they call a um, an acting CS4, which basically is a high-level manager who can basically procure uh, servers, software, and all the rest of that uh, side of the equation. And I decided my uh, life at the government was over and started up uh, Enhancesoft, um, and it was there to do fulfill the need that I was doing uh, with the government. Uh, The short version of that is government needs to audit all of their computers within their environment. And we provide services around auditing uh, basically enterprises, understand what they have within their environment. So that's the shortest version of what I do. Awesome. Awesome. And so for those of us that are really layman's terms and are not super techie at all, um, I'll, I'll super, I'll super summarize. Um, uh, but basically you help people get more out of their, their enterprise system and easily take more inventory and get appropriate reporting and more effective reporting out of what they already have in place. Correct. Yes. Yeah, I'd be right. Awesome. <laughs> I like to be, I'm sometimes I'm really simple and that's okay. I have my, my superpower is simplifying things. Um, so I, I like to say that you don't have to be smart to be a great salesperson. You just have to be able to connect with people. Not that I'm not smart, but you know, <laughs> we can simplify things for the benefit of maximizing communication, right? Correct. Awesome. All right. So Garth, now before we dive in, um, actually, no, I'm going to jump into that later. Uh, I want to, I want to dig in and I want to pick your brain. So first we're talking about enterprise sales and selling to government. So let's start with what exactly is enterprise? Like how, how is that defined? Well, that's a great question. Um, 
you know, there's many different definitions, but the simplest one I like is one from Microsoft, which actually defines that an enterprise is any environment with 500 computers or more. Um, that's a decent size environment. And, you know, everything below that is considered either mid or small business. On that. Gotcha. Okay. So from the perspective of a salesperson, I mean, I'm, in, in 2019, it makes total sense to measure a company by the size of their, you know, computer number of computers for Microsoft's eyes. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm sure before computers were a big thing, uh, there was it was a per head count or um, or revenue size, right? And do you find that any of those um, metrics are used to describe like beyond the computer? So there's almost a one-to-one relationship between the number of computers versus the number of staff. Um, the, there are some exceptions, you know, like uh, GM. Uh, it, oh, uh, I think we lost Kurt. One moment. We will bring him right back. And you're back. And we're back. So, uh, beauty of live. <laughs> beauty of live. So, um, the simple answer is uh, companies like uh, GM will have more staff working for them than computers. But surprisingly, they are pretty close to, uh, I, I don't know for sure, but I, based on the discussions I've had with them, pretty much a one to one relationship. Okay. So, okay. So, the, the definition of enterprise isn't going to vary if. Uh, just because somebody isn't necessarily selling something that's techie or computer based, right? No, no. I mean, there, there'll be some small businesses that will have really high revenue, but won't be considered an enterprise because they've only got 200 or 300 staff or computers. Gotcha. Okay. So with, with enterprise, so there's a lot of things that are different um, selling to enterprise versus to a solopreneur or definitely different than selling B to C to directly to a consumer. Yeah. And, and this is the what I want to get into today, because I would love your insight on all of these areas that I'm going to grill you about, <laughs> because I want to pick your brain. But first, when you were in the government, and this is the big reason why I consider you to be the authority on, on this, when you were in government, you had a role that played a big part in this purchasing process. So just, just tell us a little bit about that. And... Um, and how you managed to kind of identify these key pieces that you're going to share with us today. So the government, and for that matter, most enterprises have rules. Um, and those rules are designed uh, around procurement and uh, how much, what level of authority you need to to uh, buy for something. So for an example, uh, when I was with the government, I could sign off on basically $25,000 or less with almost no paperwork involved on that. Um, Once I went above 25,000, then the rules changed greatly and NAFTA came into place and Europe uh, rules came into place and it was much harder to buy. You couldn't, I couldn't turn around and buy something today. Um, I had to put in a request to procurement and you'd be looking at, you know, 45 to 60 days for me to get my, my, uh, uh, purchase. Now there are some exceptions to that. And there is something called an MSO, but that's not what today is about. Um, but the short version of an MSO would allow me to spend up to $200,000 in five minutes. So, uh, okay. so, so there's certain scenarios where there's like a big green light 
to get in the door for a purchase um, if you know who to talk to and where the dollar amounts are. Yeah. So it's all about, um, for an NMSO, as an example, all of this has to be pre-approved in advance on, and the limits have to be set. The traditional is a hundred thousand, but there are some cases where it's 200,000 on there, but that's a long process onto itself. If you were to get onto the NMSO, you're looking at uh, 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 a four to six month process and lots of dollars and lots of paperwork just to get onto that process. Uh, but traditionally, when you sell to a government or an enterprise, you're looking at months of, of work, of uh, setting up um, paperwork and uh, dealing with uh, all things. I mean, in a recent example, I was dealing with a very large bank in the States and I had to go through a security clearance for not only our product, but for our staff. We had to then deal with their financial things. So they had to review our books and all the rest of the stuff. So it's it's a long process uh, for these things. Um, they want to make sure that you're financially viable. These are things that you need to, to uh, know and be prepared for. But there's a big upside to selling to enterprises. Uh, once you get into an enterprise, first off, the sales tends to be quite lucrative. And then the renewals, because I'm in software, um, also tend to be quite lucrative. So, Yeah, and on that note, I want to give you a shout out and congratulations. I won't uh, reveal any potential information, but I know that you had that. <laughs> Very, very big winning week last week. Yes. Uh, so congrats for, uh, let's just say, closing a deal you've been putting a lot of work into. And uh, Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just to, you know the, the, the history behind that, but just for some of the listeners, that was really a five-year process to, to land that deal. Three years of them tire kicking, and then two years of actually going through the process and finally landing. Um took a while for that uh, process, but this is the type of things why you do it. It's, it was a really good week. I'll be <laughs> celebrating for a while on that. <laughs> I'll wait for the invite. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, well, you know, a five-year process, that's, that's long, right? Yeah. That's- and, and that's, I mean, and maybe that may be a little longer than normal for enterprise, but maybe that's because of the size of the deal. But tell me um, if, if someone listening is just starting their business. Yep. Why in the heck would they want to be targeting enterprise or government if when they're looking at that long of a sales cycle? Um, you, you know, why is just at the end of the day, the amount of dollars that you can make on that, uh, that deal is really worthwhile. Um, the trick is, is if you're really going to start off, um, I wouldn't start, target the large um, bank uh, in this particular case. What I would do is target uh, a lot of smaller uh, organizations and build up to that. Um, the smaller ones, you know, we've had sales that literally turn around in 15 minutes, somebody calls up and, you know, pays with credit card and you're done. And you have other ones which, you know, are, are long. And that, that one is probably exceptionally long. Um, the traditional ones are much more about six months to eight months, uh, process. Um, but, it's a different process. When you're selling to an individual or small business, you're selling to one person. When you're selling to an enterprise, you're selling to a team, a group of people uh, on this. You know, uh, I'm a techie and I traditionally will uh, um, sell off to the techie equivalent. And then he'll be my champion up with management. 
and try to show the value uh, to management. So I may have to do multiple demos to uh, get our product in the door and try to show the value for them. So some of the things I've learned is trying to give them um, uh, documents to help them uh, show the value to their management. Uh, in a lot of cases, it's they have to do a proof of concept. And in that, a lot of these guys don't know how. So you give them some of the documentation on how to do a proof of concept, which, of course, your stuff is in there and you, you, you're targeting. Um, and this is where they, they start seeing value on their, their your about you, your company, and the, the, the products. You know, you're there to help and right. you're trying to solve their problems. And I think this is a really important key here because um, you're not saying to, uh, you know, go to the, the front end user, sell, sell, sell. You're saying go to this user and equip them with what they need to be able to bring in the actual decision maker. Correct. And I mean, um, one of the things uh, uh, that comes into play here. I talked about how long the, 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 the sales cycle is, but part of the problem is, is that uh, in enterprises and in, in government, the budgets are defined potentially six months, a year in advance. You need to get your, your quote in so that they can start planning to buy your product. Um, you know, there's multiple uh, uh, organizations where, you know, they love your product. They get the quote. Uh, on and then it sits there waiting for the the the, the budget to be approved, mm-hmm. but that's where some of the tips come into play. Um, government is very easy. We know that in Canadian government, the end of fiscal is March thirty first. Um, if we know that the uh, twenty five thousand dollars is our limit, and you know that a guy can spend that in five minutes, then having a uh, up to date quote on their hands by March 1st uh, is useful because it's amazing how just before the end of uh, fiscal and you can get your product in the door. Um, This is kind of useful. If your product is going to be over 25,000 and you know, you're not going to make it in, there's no point in sending it out March uh, 1st. He'll never be able to get it in before the end of March 1st. However, if you get it in for January 1st or just after January, he can try to put it in. Again, it's all about timing. And uh, the, the trick about it is if you know when people's budget cycles are and you've got your, your uh, you know what their procurement rules are. So Canadian government stuff has to go up on a board for 45 to 60 days. If you can get the stuff, uh, the quotes are before that time frame is there, you'll make it in before the end of the, the fiscal. Knowing this little bit uh, really helps. So, so let's let's break it down for a second. So, uh, mm-hmm. when we're talking about government specifically, and those that that line, the twenty five thousand dollars line, is kind of the magic line for yep. for short sales cycles, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and I'm sure the U.S. government is very similar, but of course, yep. you know, someone would want to validate the actual numbers. Um, so, you're saying that if it's under twenty five thousand dollars, typically, if you can get the proposal in the decision maker's hands. By the first of the last, the, the first as in the first day of the last month of their fiscal year, there's a pretty good chance you're making. If if the if the issue is budget, if it's a money thing, right? 
there, there's a possibility. So what ends up happening is budgets are defined and then people realize they're not going to be able to spend their budget. So it doesn't matter if you're an enterprise or a government. Basically, you uh, spend it or you lose it. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a big bank in the States or if you're Canadian government or a federal, a U.S. federal department. Same rules generally apply. If you don't spend it, you lose it. And a lot of times your budget gets cut because you didn't need it. So this money frees up. They look to spend it on things that they can use. And therefore, if you've got a, a quote and they've and you put it in their hands and it's available to them, they don't have to do any work. If they don't have to do any work to uh, uh, write the well, send out the, the PO for this thing, it's done. Um, okay. You know, so, this is one of the things. So, so if, so would you say it's safer if you know you're selling under 25,000, let's say you're going to government, mm-hmm. you know, it's under 25 K. Would you suggest that we're aiming for the first of the, like the, the first day of that last month and say, Oh, if there's extra budget, they'll slip it in before the end of the month. And if they need to make the budget, we might be able to get it after the first or, would you say start 90 days before just in case so it's in there uh, kind of on their radar before that time gets there? Um, both really um, work for you. If you're in a uh, for January 1st for the, the Canadian government one as a, a prime example, if you get in with that, uh, you, you're getting in with that potential wave. If you don't make that potential wave, then try for the March 1st wave. If you don't make the March 1st wave, then although budgets are supposed to open up on, on April 1st, they're never actually released to the uh, lower teams till quite later on, generally uh, after August, September timeframe. Oh, okay. And the reason for that is, is that the guys on the top get their budget on April 1st, and then they have to allocate that out. Now, there's rough numbers that are out there, but your final numbers aren't done. So nobody's actually willing to release that money until they see their final numbers. And that doesn't happen until September, October type frame, time frame. So, you know, those are the, like the, the, the time frames that you want to get in. Um, gotcha. so, so ultimately, if you get in the door and you find out when somebody's budget is, the sooner you can start the process, the better. Correct. And if you happen to slide in before the end of the last month of the year or before the first of the last month of the year, you've at least got a shot. But if you're, if you're, you know, the new year just started, it could be a waiting game, but do the work anyway, because 12 months out, you're still going to need to make a sale, right? Yeah. I mean, the worst that comes um, is, is if you don't even make it into that fiscal year, at least they know how much to budget for the next fiscal year. And that's really what you're trying to do is get on that list of, of products. For the, and then that's one of the other ones that I've learned as well. Um, don't have just one contact uh, at uh, an organization. People come and go all the time. And as such, it's not uncommon for somebody to ask for a quote. Uh, and then you find out six weeks later, they're gone. They've, they've gone to another company. Uh, and if that was your only contact, you now have to start that whole process over again. And we all don't want to do that. So what you end up wanting to do is try to find out three, four, five people that you can get in there. And therefore, you know, one may disappear, but you still have somebody else to contact. Gotcha. So you're creating a little, a little team of 
of advocates for your service right from the start. Yes. And, you know, one's going to lead the charge, but if they happen to go to a department or a new company or whatever, at least you've got backup. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. And I think that's something that gets overlooked far too often. People say, oh, I got a guy on the inside. He's going to get me in. He's going to help the deal, you know. And then all of a sudden, the guy went to the competitor. Yeah. You know, went from government to, you know, a private company or something, right? Exactly. And actually, that's one of the other ones that I try to do as well, is I try to get a uh, snail mail address. And it seems really uh, odd to do that in this day and age. But just having an address where you can send uh, information to the position at that company works. It will make it into the next person's hand. So at least you may not be trying to ramp up from complete zero, you'll be slightly of it. I mean, particularly if they get the material and they call you, then you know that your the problem still exists and they're still interested and therefore you're much better off. And you get in before one of your competitors does. Hmm. Now, let's go back because you talked about um, equipping the front end user, whoever the person was that you're going to connect and has the real problem. Yep. Equipping them with what they need to be able to influence or sell your solution to the powers that be the decision maker. Yeah. Um, can you give me some examples of what kind of things might be included? And, you know, again, keep in mind, not everybody's necessarily in software. What, what things should, should the audience be thinking about if they're trying to um, create that, I don't know, power pack or, you know, we'll come up with some corny name for it, but I'm sure there's actually any. We'll call it an advocacy kit. I know that's how you described it a couple weeks ago to me. Yeah. So uh, I try to do things like white papers, short videos, um, you know, people don't have, they're not going to watch a uh, two hour video on what's the value of your product. But if you can do a three minute, five minute video, uh, that's much more useful on things. White papers, uh, trying to introduce them to other clients who have used your product and seen value. Uh, anything that you can, um, you know, one of the, the guys I used to help out uh, had a spreadsheet where you could type in the number of computers. And at the bottom line, he would say, this is how much money you would save. Um, and, you know, people could adjust the numbers and see what you would get out of that uh, scenario. Uh, these are the type of things where you can give some some indication of what they're going to see and their return on investment. You got to understand that a lot of managers are going to be very skeptical if you say that their return on investment uh, is, you know, two months, they're going to go, you know, if it was two months, we would have already had it. But, you know, if you can show something that says, yeah, yeah, even if it is two months and he doesn't believe it and cuts it to 10%, well, that's still a little over a year that they would see uh, a return on investment. That's pretty good for them. So, yeah. So, um, there's a couple of things that I want to dig into and we're running out of time because I think we could talk about this all day. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm sure this, and this is going to go, I'm going to go way left field here. I'm sure there's people watching yeah. that are thinking, you know what, I've got a product that can help someone at the enterprise level or yeah. in the government level. And my product is solid, but my marketing, I'm kind of, I'm a one man show or a one person show or a you know, three person team and my marketing isn't polished. Yeah. And they're going, I'm not ready. Um, they're making excuses. They're, this is the rationale. I'm not ready. I don't have these pieces figured out. Um, to, from your experience, 
Would you say it's more important that you can functionally explain the solution and the value? Or is there some weight that governments or enterprise are going to put on having a nice, uh, nicely designed and printed marketing kit that you can pass on? Like, where, where's the weight lay from, from that perspective? So you're going to be far better off not doing the marketing kit than being able to explain and get that champion. The champion will uh, get you through all the hoops that you need to do. Um, uh, some of our early clients, you know, we didn't have a nice polished website and things like that. Uh, so I would put more effort in trying to be a champion and give them the opportunity to explain to management why, um, things are particularly if you can find somebody local, um, so that you can meet face to face with them. Love it. I think that's huge. And that's probably, I, I mean, there's lots of great tips you've shared, but I think that is one of the most powerful ones. And let me know your thoughts. Cause if, if you've got somebody on the inside and ideally, like you said, two or three or four people just as a backup, yeah. but once you have that connection, that relationship, then that's when you're going to find out when the budget is, you're going to find out um, right. how big the problem is. Cause you're not going to solve a problem um, that they don't find is big enough, right? There's a, there's a pain to change and there's a pain to transition. And so the pain to change has to be a whole lot less than the pain they're feeling by the existing problem, right? Exactly. Awesome. Right. awesome. Yeah. And so now I want to jump into the lightning round. Hold on. Let me let me get my list so I can hammer through it. Okay. Lightning round. Okay. Oh, lightning round. Yeah, I, I didn't uh, I didn't tell you about this. Surprise. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Lightning round. Hey, let me get my drink here. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the perfect segue. Coffee is for closers. What's your favorite kind of coffee or comparable drink? Uh, so I drink an awful lot of co coffee, although I'm, uh, drinking tea right now, but I also have a bottle of whiskey in arm's reach too. So. <laughs> he did say he was celebrating folks. <laughs> <laughs> What's in that coffee? You know? Awesome. Okay. What's the number one book or movie you recommend to sales reps or sales leaders? Um, you know, my movie choices are always going to be uh, uh, rom-coms. So, uh, you know, I, I think part of it is a work-life balance. So uh, how about when Harry met Sally just to get a, a work-life balance? There you go. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Um, who's someone you've considered to be a mentor in your life? Wow. So, you know, there have been a lot of uh, – people that have come and gone throughout my life. Um, but one of the guys that um, uh, really helped me out was a guy by the name of um, uh, Brian. And uh, Brian was actually the first one who got me into the, to the Canadian government. Um, he really took me under his wing. He showed me the ropes. And he also helped me with, along with uh, the procurement uh, side of things uh, uh, from that, you know, I think there's can't be one person because they all have different styles. Like you and I uh, talk uh, and are you're helping me with, with some of my um, trying to reduce that sales cycle <laughs> size for me. Um, and that's important to, 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 uh, to me, but uh, yeah, it's really hard to pick just one. So, yeah. Gotcha. We're going to, we'll go with Brian then. It's one. Yeah, we'll go for Brian. Awesome. All right. And now, this will be interesting. What's the strangest thing you do in your daily routine to stay on top of your game? 
So um, the strangest thing these days is is to uh, uh, about every hour get up and do 250 steps from he- like right over there to <laughs> Far back corner, uh, I'm doing it the wrong way. Right over there, which is about 30 steps, and go back and forth. My staff look at going, oh, it must be close to the hour. So. <laughs> nice. So that's interesting because, you know, health. So do you, do you feel that that um, is helping primarily from a health perspective or from a focus perspective? Or what, what what's that, uh, that activity really supporting? So it's um, twofold. Um, it is health for sure. But I also find, uh, particularly the more that I do the walk, uh, just to get those 250 steps, is um, I've stopped focusing on the screen and I'm thinking about whatever problem or issue I have. And I'm formulating replies or whatever. And it just gives me a little bit of time to to think. So. You know. Love it. You know, I, I find in the morning um, when I'm at the gym on the treadmill, that's like, I shut it. I shut the brain off. I'm not in front of the screen. I, I sometimes have an audiobook going, but it's like you feed. I feed the brain, and then when you give it a break, and this is going to be awkward for the for everybody listening, but um, but it's when I'm in the shower. Everything else stops, and then my brain goes, "Oh, here's this big idea that you've been brewing for the last three days. Here's the result." Right? You've yeah. got to give yourself that that break away from the screen, even away from the audio, yeah. uh, to to let it kind of develop. So that's awesome. Uh, now, Gareth, finally, where can people find more of your greatness? Well, I'm actually quite easy to find because I actually uh, speak quite uh, often at technical conferences. So um, as such, I have a good social media presence. You'll find me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, you'll... Twitter, Garth, at Gareth MJ at Twitter. Yep. Uh, you'll find me on LinkedIn, which I believe, uh, is LinkedIn.com forward slash I N forward slash config M G R as in config manager. Yes. Um, (laughs) And then if you just search my name, my, my lovely picture shows up generally within the top 10, uh, 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 searches because I'm, as you know, I go off to uh, conferences and present on the technical side that I do all the time. So. And for the when you guys Google Garth, um, look for a video with him rocking a plaid suit. Yes, there is that one. <laughs> I did rock that plaid suit for that last conference. Really nicely. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. And if you guys want to learn more about Enhanceoft and um, how you can get the most out of your SCCM. And if you don't know what SCCM is that I I said earlier, but um, then you're probably not the ideal client and that's okay. But on the off chance, go to enhanceoff.com, check out the blog, lots of information, lots of resources. Um, Again, Gareth, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure and look forward to chatting with you again soon. Guys, thank you again for being here for this episode of Sales Team Rescue. We will see you next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Remember, get uncomfortable, get results. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thanks for joining me. Let's keep the conversation going. You can find more episodes and a link to join our online community over at salesteamrescue.com. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe and give the show a review to help us reach more sales leaders like you. If you'd like our support in creating your own high-performance sales team, book a call with us at salesteamrescue.com.